0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hey, my name is Bex and welcome to Getting Emotional. Every week I'll discover a new emotion, or rather, I'll tell you about an emotion you may well have felt, but had no idea there was a name for. This week, it's qualinquismo. Quizmo. When you think about voting in elections, what do you feel? Maybe proud, like you're using a fought for right? Hashtag thanks the pankhursts. Happy that you get to vote for a party you support? Sad because you don't think your candidate will win? Or total and utter ambivalence? In fact, I imagine if you do feel that about your vote, you may not even vote at all. And that is absolutely fine. No judgment here. I vote to make this podcast a safe space. If you're looking around at the political landscape, emitting a shrug and a sigh, then this is the feeling for you. It's the Italian feeling of qualinquismo. Yeah, that's right, I looked up how to pronounce it and everything. It's the word meh, but about politics. It's an apathetic side-eye, convinced that politics achieves nothing and politicians, well, not only are they ineffective, they're also just pointless. Because yeah, this feeling can easily tip from political apathy to contempt for politics and politicians in general. The word can be traced all the way back to 1946 and the right-wing populist, monarchist and anti-communist party, the Everyman's Front, which if I'm honest, uh, does kind of sound like the name of a concession stand in John Lewis. Formed just after the Second World War, the party apparently offered an apolitical alternative to both fascism and anti-fascism, attempting to remove party politics from the Italian government altogether. Surprisingly, the movement itself was short-lived, but it seems the attitude that it embodied has carried on. And a person who feels this whateverism bordering on contempt for politics is called a qualanquista. Alright, that is enough butchering of the Italian language for right now. I think we need to move on. Now, as well as not being a gifted Italian linguist, I'm also not a gifted political expert. Shocking, I know. So for this one, I have turned to somebody with much more knowledge, insight and interest in the world of politics.
0: Uh hi, I'm Femi. I'm a political commentator, formerly from Our Future Our Choice, anti-Brexit campaigner, now just a general anti-far-right campaigner. Hey.
1: And uh you seem like an incredibly busy man because uh you've got a lot of people to um to just deal with basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, um I start when I was started this in 2016, I had like 30 no 20 followers in the start of 2016, and I've just been trying to call out literally everything that I can see um from the government and from the politicians and from the journalists in terms of just horrendous right wing propaganda
1: it, yeah it does seem to be uh kind of kind of non stop so you said there you you began this in 2016 like what made you think to yourself i've got to do something about uh about the politics and, and the way that our world is is working at the moment
0: so in 2016 at the start of it i was working uh for a human rights ngo in brussels that focused on the human rights abuses in the Gulf states of Saudi Arabia, Bahrain and I was monitoring things like the arms sales of Saudi Arabia and the fact that they were using them to commit war crimes in Yemen and I looked at the people who were actually selling these weapons and it was the UK, I looked at the EU they were saying basically, hey, stop it they're bombing schools and hospitals and I saw Tory politicians like um, David Cameron at the time basically visiting the factories that make those weapons and praising them And so I very much saw um, the EU as a protector on our moral integrity because I was working alongside British MEPs, British members of the European Parliament, trying to stop this kind of behavior because unfortunately, national politicians are elected on the basis of national economics and less so on global human rights. And so you do need that upper level. So I was involved in in what I believe to be a battle for the soul of the UK long before I'd even heard of the word Brexit. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard, Brexit was a thing that you're going to give these politicians who I really did not trust with human rights even more power to do the wrong thing. Uh, It terrified me. And so when I was in Brussels watching this debate, so called debate, happening between uh, David Cameron, Nigel Farage, Boris Johnson, as if they were the people that were supposed to decide the moral integrity of the UK, Um, and they weren't explaining the basics that I studied in, in law school about EU law. And I realized that this conversation was just heavily skewed and that people were not getting the right information. Uh, and I knew that I had a particular skill in that because arguing is kind of the reason why I studied law in the first place. Um, I figured I had to get involved. And so even though I only had 20 followers on Twitter, I just started screaming as loud as I could and it just kept going.
1: The thing that struck me about apathy in politics is it probably has quite a few causes. I wasn't sure whether not caring comes from a place of mistrust, misinformation or having no information at all. Now, at this moment, I'd like to point out that just like Femi, I too have a law degree. Yes, I know, I really do. Please don't laugh. People generally laugh when I tell them that. Unlike him, I chose to ignore the law degree and go down the heady and glamorous route of podcasting. Hmm. He chose the much more noble road of actually using his degree and then doing work experience and placements and jobs and research so he knows what he's talking about. My law degree, meanwhile, sits in the corner of a cupboard gathering some dust. Obviously, Femi is very keen to connect with people and to communicate what's going on in the world, but I wondered what was keeping lots of us from caring. Femi suggested it might just be a deluge of real or fake facts and figures and opinions.
0: Especially as as Brexit went on, People had spent those six months where, well, those, no, that year where I was really just getting off my feet in terms of being able to um, reach people, just hearing facts left and right, um, and arguments from them left and right, and none of them really being decisive. None of them really, all right, everything was top, top level figures. So you'll have the people on the Remain side saying, if you vote to leave, leave the EU, there'll be thousands of job losses. It'll be really bad. Here are these experts that predict this. And then you'll have um, so-called experts from the Leave side saying, no, it'll be great. We'll reach out to markets across the world. Um, But nobody breaking it down to those core first principles, the things that say, all right, step by step, here's the stuff that you already know. And here's how that leads you to a conclusion. Instead, it was top line figures that that require you to basically trust it purely on the basis of who is saying it. And so you can't really come to a conclusion where you can be really sure of your position, because ultimately it's a position of trust. And and because people realized that they couldn't come to a decision that they could trust completely, people were very, very unsure of their own politics, or at least they didn't think that there was any hope of convincing the other side because they couldn't find a way of proving it to the other side. And so that leads to people just thinking, well, there's no real point in engaging in this conversation anymore. And especially after the Brexit, though, people are saying, well, we're not going to make any pro- progress on this. And so you do get that apathy, especially when politics becomes just a shouting match between Boris Johnson, David Cameron, Jeremy Corbyn. And people do get turned off of that. And especially if people feel powerless as their votes don't really mean anything um, in, in a large number of cases because of the voting system we have. And a lot of that just drives people to think, well, if nothing's going to change, why should I get involved?
1: Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I was looking at some stats and obviously, you know, our voting figures are so much lower than they were years ago. And I, I think it's because people are just, you're right, they just feel like, what's the point? Does it make any difference, my one vote, when it, it really should feel the opposite? It should feel like, no, what you say and what you think matters. It's such a shame.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we have the power to make votes matter um, because... In all but three elections since the Second World War, so that's 70 years, we're talking uh, those three elections were 2015, two, 1958, and 1955. In all but those three elections, the majority of voters in the UK have voted for parties to the left of the Conservative Party, and yet the Conservative Party has been in power for two-thirds of that time. That's because, essentially, we have multiple parties on the left or the centre, and only one real party on the right. And that means that when in any given constituency, if you have 40% voting for the Tories and 30% vote for Labour, 30% vote for Greens, then even though 60% has voted for left-wing parties, the Tories will win because they're the party that had the most votes individually. And so people know that, and that's why you have a situation where in this last election, the Tories got 44% of the vote, Ended up with 56% of the seats, giving them absolute power, the ability to pass any law they want. And so, even though the majority voted against them, voted for parties that were in favor of a second referendum, in favor of more liberal politics, more progressive politics, it didn't matter. And that's because their votes were just split. And so, that leads people to feel that their votes don't matter. Um, And so, that's why it's so crucial. That's why I keep stressing that the only way we get to a better version of UK politics is if in one election, Labour, the Labour, the Lib Dems, the Greens all work together and say, all right, we won't compete against each other in these constituencies. And we're going to say, all right, on that basis, once we get a progressive majority in parliament, we're going to change the voting system so it's more proportional. And then every single vote will count. And then people will be a lot less, a lot less apathetic and care a lot more about politics because they'll know that they can actually influence it.
1: When it comes to voting, I think there's still a notion of safe seats, parties that will get voted into certain areas no matter what. So people often feel that their alternative votes are worthless. When we talked about the Brexit vote, Femi pointed out that some areas of the UK, including the northeast where we're both from, already had felt disenfranchised from the London-centric political scene, ignored by Labour because their vote was a given and ignored by the Conservatives because well, why would they bother? They felt left behind and with the remain campaign headed by david cameron belonging to the same party who not that long ago had closed mines, introduced austerity and made working class lives very difficult it's no wonder they wanted to vote for the opposite of what he was pushing no one knew for sure what would happen next but a lot of the public certainly saw a moment for change so femi suggested that these safe seats while still a thing are increasingly less reliable Maybe a lack of safe seats would be a good thing. Perhaps then politicians would be more inclined to get involved with the electorate, and in turn, they'd be more inclined to actually vote. There's also a belief, I think, that young people don't care about politics. But if you'd met teenage Bex, and if you did, well, sorry she and her kind of embarrassingly politically engaged friends again guys if you're listening sorry but let's face it I think you would understand that actually kids and teenagers can be super eager to learn about how the world works if we just give them a chance maybe they'd be more keen in politics if we let them be more engaged I asked Femi what he thought
0: so it's it's a weird one like young people who are engaged are super engaged and young people who are apathetic are super apathetic um and Uh, One of the things that I found really interesting was that over the two years where I was doing the campaigning around Brexit, I would go to schools and speak to 16, 17 year olds. Um, And the first question I would ask would be, raise your hand if you care about politics. Now, in many of those schools, not a single hand would go up. And so my next question would be, well, raise your hand if you care how much stuff costs in the shops, raise your hand whether or not you care whether or not you can get treated by the NHS, raise your hand whether or not you care, Um, whether or not you can get a job when you leave school. And every single hand up would go up every single time. And I would then say, well, that's politics. The issue around political apathy is that lack of people not feeling the connection between politics and the effect on their actual lives. Now, I was arguably worse than the average when I was their age. I did not see um, the link between politics and my life. Politics was essentially just old men shouting at each other somewhere down in London and uh, it takes it takes an effort to see how it actually affects people and so I think if the more we see that link between pol- politics and, and lives, um, the more you, engagement you'll get. Now uh, I think this year this last 18 months, more than any other, people have really seen the effect of politics in their lives and so I do think, looking forward, I think we should be a bit more hopeful as to the engagement, especially from young people who watched their grades be stolen from them and given to private school kids um, mm-hmm. and this year, who watched their basic liberties taken taken away, uh, rightfully so in some cases, unnecessarily so if we'd control it properly. People have seen that link between politics and their lives, and their lives a lot more. So I'm hoping it'll be a lot easier to engage with politics moving forward.
1: Uh, now, I, I did wonder... Would you say, this is just a random question that I was interested in, would you say you're more interested in kind of, um, what's motivates you more? Is it by doing good or by stopping the bad people doing bad things? If that's a very basic question, but you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> no, 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 that is, that is the perfect question to ask me. Um, I think intellectually, uh, it's the protecting people. I think um, probably deep down in my emotional soul, it's probably beating the bad guy. Um, uh, I think that because of trauma I experienced as a kid, I developed anger issues, which I then channeled into philanthropic tendencies. So I just basically channeled into, I've got to spot problems in the world, um, get angry about them and help people. So it comes from being angry with something first and then using that as a motivation to ultimately lead to helping others. So... I think it's the, the the beating the bad guy first and then saving the good guys second.
1: That's a good answer. I like it. <laughs> and, if, and if we've got other listeners who are, you know, listening to you and thinking, God, I wish I could get involved or do something or just make a difference. Obviously, apart from, you know, using your vote, is there anything that you would recommend that you did or would make or made you feel better when you started getting more politically active?
0: I think uh, social media is is key, I think. Uh, people underestimate the extent to which um, the reactions to people on social media make a difference. Now, it's important to be civil when you're on on social media, because otherwise, uh, you're not helping the conversation, and you paint our side as as um, being overly aggressive if you come at this wrongly. But put pressure on politicians on social media. Point out to them the damage that they're doing, um, so that you a show them show them what's what's up, and b it helps you at least vent you get your get your voice out there, get it off your chest. so get take part in social media. I mean for me, one of the reasons one of the ways I grew at the start was a by interacting with the politicians, B by um, uh, making videos to explain topics. and the biggest thing I did was um, calling up Nigel Farage. Uh, <laughs> uh, I used to basically watch his show like every single day. I learned how he operates, what messages he uses. And I, and I figured out all of his messages and how to undermine them. So I started calling him up on LBC and um, and basically recording the videos and then putting those videos up online, uh, exposing one lie after the other with one video per per lie, and I did it that way. Um, so you can take the more basically militant view of, all right, I need to go with these politicians and I need to basically expose them for who they are. Um, the other, Another thing is getting directly involved in politics now for example, this at the end of this year, you're going to have one well, in the autumn. You're going to have the party conferences. That's the main point where the policies of the parties are going to be shaped. So, if you become a member of the Labour Party and the Lib Dem Party and the parties that basically need to shift their position on that electoral pact, then you can actually influence them at conference, get a vote, and um, shape the direction the party goes. Because if Labour and the Lib Dems do not work together and they end up fighting each other again, in the next election, Boris Johnson will just be in power for 10 years. So that is the choice you need to make.
1: So there you have it, some tips and tricks on how to banish the meh and engage the from one of the best in the biz. Colin Crismo, I suspect, is something we've all felt. I've certainly voted and even though I'm so aware of how lucky I am to have my say, sometimes I do wonder whether it's worth getting politically bothered. But... As I learnt from Femi, it's not just by voting that we can make a difference. We can engage with others, we can do the research, and we can... (laughs) make a podcast. Look, I'm not saying I'm running for Prime Minister tomorrow, although if I do, my slogan, and I have thought about this, is BEX, FOUR EYES, ONE VISION. That does only work if you know I wear glasses, though. But I am saying that I care about what happens next, so Qualanquismo is a feeling that I vote OUT OF OFFICE. This was Getting Emotional, and that was Colin Quismo. Big thank you to Femi. You can find him on Twitter, at Femi underscore sorry. And I'm there too, at Get Emotional Pod. Come say hello. And please do leave a preferably nice review wherever it is you get your podcast from. That would really help a gal out. Bye.